This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where state lawmakers are back in the Capitol for a final round of committee hearings before the start of the legislative session next month. Another Florida town deals with the aftermath of a mass shooting. This time it's Pensacola, the shooter a Saudi officer in flight training at the Naval Air Station. Donald Trump raises big bucks for the Florida GOP with the help of two former American soldiers accused of war crimes. A new report in the Tampa Bay Times says more and more Florida kids are being involuntarily committed for mental health treatment because they're autistic, disabled, or simply misbehaving, all thanks to the Baker Act. Call it Rodriguez Squared. The new Senate president is hosting a joint fundraiser this evening for Ray Rodriguez and Anna Maria Rodriguez. Talk about efficiency. We'll also have your daily calendar of events. It's a busy one. And continuing coverage of Florida Man, who really showed the dog who's boss. And the Florida woman who attacked her baby daddy with an artificial Christmas tree. But first, let's do that capitalism thing. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, December 9th. Federal investigators in Pensacola are trying to piece together the final days of a military trainee from Saudi Arabia who committed an act of terrorism Friday, killing three, wounding eight before he was gunned down by Escambia County deputies. 21-year-old Ahmed Mohammed El Shamrani was a second lieutenant of the Saudi Air Force and a student flight officer at Naval Air Station Pensacola. FBI agents went through the shooter's belongings and social media accounts while questioning six other Saudi nationals, some of them fellow students in the same training program. A U.S. official told the Washington Post that three of the Saudis were said to have taken cell phone video at the scene. The Associated Press reports that Shamrani showed videos of previous mass shootings at a dinner party he hosted just days before the attack. Governor Ron DeSantis was in Pensacola Friday to offer the assistance of the state, but the feds are in charge of what has become an international investigation. I think there's obviously going to be a lot of questions about, you know, this individual being a foreign national, being a, a part of the, the Saudi Air Force, and then to be here training on our soil to do this. Um, and the FBI is working with DOD, they're working with FDLE, they're working with the Scambia County Sheriffs uh, to answer those questions. Um, one of the things that I talked to the president about is given that this was a foreign national in the employ of a foreign service, is, uh, and, and there'll be time to do this, but, but obviously the, the the government of Saudi Arabia uh, needs to, to make, make things better for these victims. Um, and I think that they, they are going to owe a debt here, uh, given that this is one of their individuals. And that's pretty much the way the Saudi Arabian government does business. When their citizens are involved in a terrorist attack, Saudi leaders dismiss them as radicals and take out a checkbook to pay the damages with oil money. It happened after 9-11, it happened after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, and it's going to happen again after Pensacola. But if you think this shooting will harm the president's relationship with the Saudis, think again. After speaking by phone with the Saudi king, Donald Trump tweeted that the monarch and his people are greatly angered by the barbaric actions of the shooters and that this person in no way, shape, or form represents the feeling of the Saudi people toward the American people. The president did not describe this as a terror attack. Now, imagine for a second what that tweet would have sounded like if the shooter had been from a predominantly Muslim country or from anywhere south of the Mexican border. We'll have more on the shootings later in the program. 
Speaking of the president, Donald Trump was the keynote speaker Saturday night at the Florida GOP Statesman's Dinner. It was closed to reporters. Attendees had to check their cell phones at the door. But the Miami Herald reports that Trump brought two soldiers accused of war crimes on stage with him at the Marriott. First Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, formerly of the U.S. Army, was sentenced to 19 years in prison for ordering soldiers to engage three unarmed Afghan men. Former Army Major Matthew Golsey was accused of killing an unarmed Afghan man and was awaiting trial when Trump pardoned both men by granting them clemency. Two weeks ago, the Daily Beast reported that Trump was considering having pardoned U.S. troops join him on the 2020 campaign trail. Looks like they've given it a trial run here in Florida. By the way, Republicans say the dinner was a huge success because they raised more than $3.5 million and the president was hilarious. State lawmakers are back in Tallahassee today for a week's worth of committee hearings on everything from getting rid of lionfish to protecting children. But if you'll indulge me for just a moment, I'd like to suggest they set aside some time today to check out a special report in the Tampa Bay Times on the way Florida's mental health law is being used to lock up children who are not mentally ill. The Baker Act allows law enforcement officers and some mental health professionals to order people who are mentally ill to be locked up and examined. It was never intended to be used on kids with autism or children who act out in class or are disabled, but reporter Leonora LaPeter Anton discussed the number of Florida children involuntarily shipped off to a mental health center has doubled in the last 15 years. It's now 36,000 per year, about 100 per day. More than 4,000 of those children were under the age of 10. Reporter Anton and photographer John Prendigaft have compiled a compelling story based on interviews with parents around the state that reveal a system that simply takes up too many kids, including, frankly, a relative of mine, as I discovered over the Thanksgiving holiday. Senate President-designate Wilton Simpson will host a joint fundraiser for the Rodriguez campaigns tonight. Representative Ray Rodriguez is running for Senate District 27, the seat held by Lisbeth Benequisto. She can't run again because of term limits. They'll also be collecting cash for Ana Maria Rodriguez, who's running against Democrat, and Representative Javier Fernandez in the race for Senate District 39. Senator Anantira Flores occupies that seat now. She, too, is term limited. And now, Sunrise In-Depth, the Saudi shooter, as another Florida town deals with the aftermath of a mass shooting. A Saudi Arabian national who had just started his training at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola opened fire on his classmates Friday with a handgun. When it was over, eight people had been wounded, four were dead, including the gunman. Ensign Joshua Watson was 23, Airman Mohammed Haytham was 19, and Airman Apprentice Cameron Walters was 21. All three were students at NAS Pensacola. Governor Ron DeSantis used to serve in the Navy, so the shooting hit home. Uh, anyone who serves in the Navy knows that this is a special place, uh, Naval Air Station Pensacola. All these uh, brave warriors who wear the wings, they come through here uh, for flight training. Um, and so this is a dark day for, for a very great, great place. I think it not only strikes at the heart of the community here in Northwest Florida, but throughout the Navy uh, nationwide and really around the world because of so many people that have uh, been involved in this base in one way or another. Uh, but I can tell you, lives were saved because of the response uh, of people both in uniform with the Navy, in uniform with the Scambia County. And, um, and so in one of the darkest days, I think of the base's history, uh, you still saw uh, some of that bravery and grit come out. Um, and even people who had been wounded themselves uh, thinking about others and what could be done to save others. Um, and so those stories are inspiring um, and keeps us going on a, on a very otherwise very bad day. Pensacola Mayor Grover Robinson says the shooting devastated the entire community. There's a deep affinity and relationship between Pensacola NAS and the city of Pensacola and, and certainly the men and women that work here and, and serve our country every day. 
This is a sad day, but this is also a community of great resiliency. And I'm, I'm confident that both NAS and the city of Pensacola will bounce back from this day and be stronger uh, as we go through. You never know when you're going to have a day uh, like December 6th. So again, we appreciate all of your thoughts and prayers. Uh, please continue to keep thinking about Pensacola NAS and the people there, and we will bounce back from this. So the investigation continues, but official information will be sparse. Escambia County Sheriff David Morgan says they can't answer a lot of questions because the case is being handled by the FBI, not the local authorities. This is going to be a lengthy investigation. Do not expect quick answers. There's going to be some parts of this investigation, not only that we're a part of with the uh, FBI and the ATF and, and the state authorities, that you may never have access to just because of the fact of, of, again, the nature of the case and who we're dealing with. That will be extremely frustrating for you. This is something I talk about in your government and your elected officials today that no one speaks of, and that's called trust. You're going to have to trust us. We're going to tell you what you need to know to keep our communities and our state and our nation safe. And I want to also assure you that from the men and women of the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, who are more than proud to serve every day, that you will hear the truth from us as best we can tell you. Are you able to address whether or not the shooter's room was raided? I, I will not. Was his name Muhammad al-Sharami? I will not confirm that. And folks, I know the answers to your questions. I am not answering or confirming it, not because I'm attempting to be trite. It's because I am not the cognizant authority for this investigation. What that means is the FBI, the ATF, the uh, NCIS on base are the lead agencies on this. We are a support element. And so while I have the answer to your questions, I am not at liberty to answer them. Most Americans probably have no idea that we have more than 5,000 military officers from more than 150 foreign countries training in America. The commander of NAS Pensacola, Captain Timothy Kinsala, says they have a couple hundred foreign nationals in flight training at the base at any given time, and it's been going on for a long time. We have an uh, international training syllabus. We have students from, from several different countries that come here. Uh, they learn aviation. They become naval aviators while they're here. Uh, it's something that we've been doing for quite a while, and it's with our partner nations. It's, uh, it, it's important um, that the cross-pollination, the cross-training that we do with our allies is, is something that's, that we've done for a long time. I mean, in World War II, we had Royal Air Force folks that were training here. There's always been international students uh, training here because it's a good place to train, and it's a good quality training. Several members of Congress are now demanding stricter screening of the foreign nationals who travel to the U.S. for military training. On your calendar of events today, the House State Affairs Committee meets at 1 in the House Office Building to consider a plan by Representative Brad Drake to abolish the Florida Constitution Revision Commission. Senators Debbie Mayfield and Annette Tadeo will join Representative Sam Killebrew in a 1 p.m. news conference on the fourth floor of the Capitol to talk about protecting money in a state affordable housing trust fund. The Senate Education Committee meets at 1.30 to debate a proposal to repeal the controversial Best and Brightest Teacher Bonus Program. The House Agriculture and Natural Resources Appropriations Subcommittee meets at 3.30 to hear a presentation from the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission about the lionfish. The Senate Community Affairs Committee meets at 4 to discuss a bill by Senator Joe Gruders that would ban smoking in state parks and would let counties restrict smoking on county-owned beaches or public parks. The Florida Government Efficiency Task Force meets at 10 in the House Office Building, and U.S. Representatives Kathy Castor and Charlie Crist will join the AARP at 10.30 in Tampa for immediate availability to talk about prescription drug prices. And finally today, our update on Florida Man and his partner in crime, Florida Woman. 
A Florida man who bit his dog's ear and punched it in the face will not go to jail despite pleading guilty to animal cruelty. 27-year-old Patrick Campbell admitted biting his pet, but he says he did it to establish dominance over his husky. Instead of jail time, Campbell was sentenced to four years probation, also ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation, and was barred from possessing animals of any kind. He'll also have to do 300 hours of community service. And a Florida woman is charged with domestic battery after police say she dismantled the family Christmas tree and used all three sections of the fake fur to attack her longtime boyfriend. 38-year-old Crystal Graham and the victim share a home in Clearwater with their two children. She told police it all started because her man had the TV too loud while she was trying to sleep. She admitted throwing the tree parts, and the 38-year-old victim suffered scratches, abrasions on his face, neck, and stomach. As you probably suspected, Crystal spells her name with a K. And the kids saw the whole thing. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics, reminding you that there is a very fine line in this world between the numerator and the denominator. We're back at you tomorrow.